You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey there, I'm Dan Savage, and you've successfully downloaded another installment of the Savage Love Cast, the weekly out loud podcast version of Savage Love, my sex advice column. The number here, if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. That number again, 206-201-2720. And you download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Uh, nothing left to say. Let's get right to the calls. Hi, Dan. Are you drunk or are you hungover today? Ha, ha, ha. I'm Paul. I'm a 41-year-old straight male, and uh, this may be long-winded, uh, but we both share a dislike for callers who are going on and on. But uh, I hope you'll bear with me. I'm into BDSM, and I was introduced to it by uh, my last girlfriend. Uh, she was deep into kink. Uh, she's poly, bi, a masochist, a bondage freak, a submissive. She liked beatings, floggings, age play, you name it. Um, we ended badly. I was uh, used and dropped when I was no longer convenient. Uh, but I'm not bitter, really, I swear. Uh, I can thank her for releasing my inner dom. Well, I'm at least a top and a sadist. Uh, soon after that ended, I began a long-distance relationship with someone who's 9,000 miles away. Um, she was relatively vanilla, but after enough uh, talking, expressed a desire to experiment. Uh, we've been a couple for nearly two years now, and I have spent four months of it uh, face-to-face. Uh, very nice month. Uh, she's GGG, and uh, she loves to be spanked, uh, which my inner sadist enjoys. She also prefers uh, lazy sex, where she is the dewey, not the doer. So uh, she basically felt that submission would fit in well with that. But the one uh, DS scene that uh, we tried was a disaster, uh, with me not really in the mood for it, uh, and she taking that as a rejection of herself, which is understandable. Uh, we talked about it much later and got things straightened out, but uh, it left neither of us jumping at the chance to try it again. Uh, so now I have what I call reluctant Dom syndrome. I don't wish to have a repeat of the last session, but uh, Vanilla does absolutely nothing for me in terms of uh, turning me on, you know, getting me going, anything like that. So I'm stuck in a hard place. Um, I know I pretty much know the solution: um, trust and communication. But uh, I'd like another perspective on it, especially uh, yours, since you cut through bullshit so easily. I uh, love the show. We'll listen every week, and uh, thanks for taking my call. That always makes me sad to hear from a troubled sadist. Uh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, trust, communication, those are good solutions. Also, uh, a good solution might be to shut the fuck up. And I don't mean the length of your call. I mean... And your call wasn't all that that long, so I appreciate you getting to the point. I mean, over-processing. So you tried it once, and it was bad. Uh, the DS scene was a disaster. You don't go into details. We'll just take your word for it. Um, and now you have reluctant on syndrome. And that's only because you're thinking about it too hard. You're thinking about it too much. You need to put it out of your mind. The next time you get together with someone you've been in a relationship with for two years, although you've only spent four months face-to-face, God bless the internet, you just need to jump the fuck back on the horse and get or sorry i'm not calling your lady a horse just you to get back in the game you need to jump back in the pool you need to stop thinking about it so hard don't sit there with your hands in your laps looking at each other long faces processing every last reason why it was a disaster last time and whether this means because you know this is what turns you on the most and it kind of turns her on she wants to please you whether this like one bad scene 
This one bad incident means that you're just not suited for each other. Weepy, weepy, weepy. Just fucking fuck her. And she should just fucking fuck you. And you should both shut the fuck up about last time. You know, if the first time, if you applied this same standard to just plain vanilla vaginal hetero intercourse, nobody would ever have sex ever again. Everyone have reluctant sex syndrome because it always goes badly at least once, at least the first time. You try anything, it usually goes badly. The first time I gave a blowjob, it went really badly because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So the first time you had DSX with this woman, it wasn't, you know, you weren't in the mood. She interpreted that as a rejection. You know, she probably feels that, you know, you're comparing her to your previous girlfriend, whoever, however crazy she was. You guys were really well suited for each other sexually. And you just need to, like, turn all that off. You won't know all that if you just shut the fuck up and just fuck. Shut up. Fuck. Trust that you like each other enough, communicate to each other that you need to shut the fuck up and then shut the fuck up and fuck and give it another shot. And if it doesn't work the second time, try it a third time. If it doesn't work the third time, try it a fourth time. And if it doesn't work then, then maybe you aren't suited for each other. But you're surely never going to find out if you're suited for each other and you're not going to be with each other if you keep processing this the way that you are and you know, creating names for your syndromes and pronouncing your relationship dead because you tried to have varsity level sex and you didn't win the fucking game. You know what? Shut the fuck up. Hi, Dan Savage. Um, I first wanted to make a uh, comment about a previous episode. Um, in episode 28, a uh, 18-year-old girl called in saying how um, her mom had uh, called her easy after she had asked for birth control, in which you know, I felt extreme outrage and and I totally empathized with her. Um, when I asked my mother if uh, I could have be put on birth control, um, she basically just uh, completely made me tried to make me feel as shameful as she possibly could. Um, she basically just doesn't want me to have sex. Um, she has this unrealistic uh, ideal that you know I have no sexual desire organs or anything like that and um she actually started calling me easy when i was 15 and you know by the time i asked for birth control um she just started saying you know oh that she just can't wait to have sex with your, your boyfriend or whatever and um and she also she said that she would rather me have a, a bad consequence from having sex than uh than having it at all which um completely I can't understand how parents could be so uh so hurtful and whatnot. And um right now uh, dilemma. Um my mom does not like the idea of me having a boyfriend. I'm eighteen. And um this summer he's been working in Florida and we not we haven't seen each other in a month. And um his parents and his grandparents are all going down to Florida to uh, have a big family reunion, and they invited me, and I felt really honored, and I would love to go. And um, my mom was just completely against it. Now that you know she did finally put me on birth control, um, she thinks I'm gonna have you know nasty, raunchy sex with my boyfriend um, throughout the whole thing. And um, his mother, my boyfriend's mother, she actually called mine and to ask personally if would let me go, and um, she made some, you know, bullshit story about me having my uh, wisdom teeth cut out, and 
I'm going to, I just don't know what to do. And, uh, I was just wanting to sleep. Not any help for, for me and my bullshit mother. I actually tried to give you a call because I wanted to talk to you personally, and uh, you couldn't talk to me. And so I'm even more convinced that this isn't uh, a parent-child dispute, but a hostage situation. You're 18 years old. You're an adult. Your mother's a crazy bitch. Uh, a lot of 18-year-olds, uh, a lot of people younger than 18, a lot of people over 18, have had to deal with the crazy parent. And unfortunately, uh, you're going to have to deal with the crazy parent. Um, you don't have to lie to your boyfriend's mother because your mother lied to your boyfriend's mother. Your mother can tell your boyfriend's mother that you can't go on this trip because you're going to be on a mission to Mars. It doesn't mean you have to go along. Uh, your mother can be a lying, crazy bitch. Uh, doesn't compel you to also be a lying, crazy bitch. This is going to make for some unpleasant scenes, particularly if you still live at home which it sounds like you may, uh, considering your reaction when I called you. So I would urge you to, you know, recognize reality. If your parents are, if you're incapable of living on your own, um, if you can't afford it, if your parents are paying to put you through Sarah Lawrence and you can't move out and you're totally reliant upon them, then you may have to knuckle under and swallow your pride and let your crazy bitch mom dictate uh, to you, you know, whether you're going to get to go to Florida or see boys or whatever she wants to dictate to you. If you can't live like that, uh, you are an adult. You are free to move. You're also, even if you stay, you need to say to your mother, I am an adult. My private life is my affair and you need to butt the fuck out. Unless mom, you want to destroy our relationship. Unless, Mom, you want me not there to change your depends 60 years from now. Keep it up, Mom, and I won't be around. But you need to butt the fuck out. It sounds like your boyfriend's mom uh, is a good lady and a good person. And I'm not advocating that you run away from home. But, you know, when I was a kid, we had relatives who were your age who came and stayed with us, stayed with my mom because my mom wasn't crazy. Uh, and perhaps you can move out. Perhaps even if you uh, aren't able to live on your own right now, there is uh, somebody out there who will let you uh, move into their house, just as my mother let uh, certain cousins of mine move into her house when we were all teenagers because of uh, conflicts with their crazy-ass parents. Um, you need to examine what all of your options are, uh, and you need to make the moves that you need to make preserve your sanity and to establish in your parents eyes the fact on the ground which is that you are a goddamned adult and you can go to fucking florida with anybody you fucking want to if charles manson gets parole and you want to go to florida with charles manson you can go to fucking florida with charles manson that you only want to go to florida with your boyfriend and his entire family acting as chaperones, and your mother has a problem with that. Your mother's have a problem with fucking everything. You need to draw a clear line, get a little backbone, and fucking stand up to the fucking... I'm fuck, fuck is the word of the day, kids. The little, whenever it's said, the bird comes down and somebody gets surprised. You need to stand up to your fucking mother, draw the line in the sand, and you're going to have to put up with this fucking bullshit all your life. And you don't want to put up with this bullshit all your life. You shouldn't put up with this bullshit for five more minutes. Draw a line, she freaks, move out. If they're paying for college and you can't face living like this for four fucking years, go to a community college, get a job waiting table somewhere, pay for it your fucking self. You have to make these moves or this will never stop. Your mother's like a child. 
throwing a tantrum. The child will keep throwing the tantrum so long as the child sees that it works. And it sounds like, so far, your mother's lies and her tantrums and her attempts to micromanage your private life, your adult private life, are working. It's going to go on forever until you stop it, until you make it clear to the crazy fucking bitch that it's over and doesn't work anymore and you're done. Hey, Dan. Long-time listener, first-time caller. And I just got done listening to your first-ever Savage Love cast. And I want to first have a comment. Thank you so much, so much for yelling at that guy who claimed that he wasn't having sex with his fiance because it was just oral sex and not intercourse sex. I'm so tired of you know people claiming that you know oral and whatever is is not sex. And as a uh, Christian guy, it really <laughs> gives guys like me um, you know a bad name. I think it contributes to have people like yourself <laughs> don't have a very high opinion of uh, Christianity. Um, but anyway, uh, my question is. Um, I'm a 20-year-old straight male, and um, ironically, my um, now fiancé and I uh, tried to do the whole no sex before marriage, but only made it to engagement. Um, But anyway, uh, one time uh, during sex, as she was orgasming, she uh, um, peed. She couldn't control it. And I was wondering, though, if I'm guessing that that's probably not a particularly abnormal thing, but I was wondering if... Um, you knew of any way to prevent that besides the obvious try to get it all out beforehand. If this only happened once during sex, uh, I don't see that it's a huge problem. The causes uh, are, one, she had uh, she's capable of female ejaculation, which some females are capable of. Uh, go Google Grafenberg spot uh, and female ejaculation, because I assume you have access to the Internet. And you'll learn all about it. Uh, It just means that perhaps you were slamming a certain part of her that is analogous to a certain part of you that produces the seminal fluid in you. uh, And it sort of in a vestigial way functions in her the same way. And if you're stimulating the Grafenberg spot, which maybe that was the position you're in, it can swell. It can pull uh, liquid out of the bloodstream just like the prostate does. And when she ejaculated... Uh, during the contractions, everything that had been gathered up by that clump of cells that surrounds her urethra, just like your prostate surrounds your urethra, uh, was then forced into her urethra and went shooting out of her pee hole. Uh, That's female ejaculation. Um, And so maybe it was that. Or maybe she lost control of her bladder because she had a particularly intense uh, and long-lasting orgasm. Or maybe she, like so many young women, has been socialized to be sort of not assertive about her own needs and she needed to get up and go to the bathroom uh, throughout most of that particular uh, uh, sexual encounter. And she didn't say anything or tell you you had to wait or jump out of bed and say, I'll be right back. Because she you know, socialized like so many young women to be kind of submissive during sex and to like let you finish before she even thinks about having her own orgasm or tending to her own needs. And during orgasmic contractions or just you kept slamming into her bladder, she lost control. Either way, it's not that big a problem. If it hasn't happened every other time you've had sex, it's not that big an issue. She needs to make sure she's empty, you know, go hit the head. But she also needs to go hit the head if in the middle of sex she feels like she has to pee, if the if it's a problem about urination. If it's a problem about female ejaculation, it's not a problem. If it's a problem about female ejaculation, it's not a problem at all. It's just a fact of her uh, physiological sexual 
construction and you're going to have to uh, learn to love it. And by learn to love it, I mean learn to lap it up. I mean learn to change the sheets. I mean learn to throw a towel down uh, if you think uh, she's going to be ejaculating a lot and frequently. And, you know, there are guys out there who are into female ejaculation and women out there who can do it, women out there who can't help it. And if uh, you're in love with and engaged to and having premarital but post-engagal sex with one of those women, you're going to have to deal. Hi, Dan. Um, I love the podcast, and I hope you keep going with it. Um, I have a question, and it involves the Madonna horror complex that I apparently have. Um, I'm way more comfortable acting out fantasies with sort of anonymous sex partners, but when it comes to my boyfriend... I can't figure out a way to incorporate him into any of them. It's like I can't suspend my disbelief, and I sort of feel weird pretending he's someone else anyway. So I wanted to know if you have any tips on how best to objectify your loved one, or if there's no trick to it, um, and maybe you just have to both agree that that's what you're going to do. Okay, thanks. Hello. Hey, Liz, it's Dan. I decided to give you a call. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. So you have uh, totally comfortable acting out your fantasies with anonymous sex partners, but you can't incorporate your boyfriend into these it's fantasies. It's true. <laughs> it's totally true. You know, you left some important information out. Okay. What are the fuck are your fantasies? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, if you can't well, incorporate him into your fantasies because he's not, like, a cyclops, well, then I can't really help you. But Well, actually, um, since I've been mulling this over for, like, two weeks now or something... I just recently made the realization that I am completely into S&M. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I sort of knew this before, but I, you know, thought I was top, over it. Bottom. Bottom. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're fa- acting out your fantasies with anonymous sex partners. There have always been fantasies around power and control and submission. Right. And you were able to latch it. You were able to share that with guys that you knew you were not going to see again or didn't care about or were invested in. Right. It's more like um, I know that he doesn't feel that way about me, you know, so it's sort of difficult nobody, for both of us. You know, nobody <laughs> hates you like your long-term lover hates you. <laughs> In the special way. In that special way. <laughs> like, there's a lot of, uh, you know stuff that builds up in a long-term relationship that's tied to resentment and anger uh, and, you know, a desire to control. And if people can, you know, if you can tap into that with a stranger, you can surely tap into that with a long-term partner. The trick is that you're taught that you shouldn't, that those feelings aren't legitimate or that they point to something really dysfunctional or unhealthy about your relationship as opposed to just being part and parcel. Yeah, that's true, I guess, if we were just honest about it. And you're not able to be honest with him about your sexual needs? Well, I I did. He's just, um, he's sort of afraid that, he's basically afraid of it, you know? Like, he he doesn't want to like it. Yeah, that's a big issue for a lot of people who are, you know, dragged kicking and screaming to S&M by their partners. Right. Is not only do they have to, like, see their partner in a new way, if the information was withheld or, you know, intentionally or not, in your case, mm-hmm. um, they also have to risk seeing themselves sexually in a new way. And a lot of particularly nice guys, and I assume your partner, fiancé, whatever he is, is a nice guy. He is. He's very nice. You know, Went to squishy colleges where they were yelled at uh, by... <laughs> we all repress really well now. Yeah, well, well we're all repressed. You know, you never hit a woman, and right. you shouldn't, and, you know... And if you want to, then there's something wrong right. with there's you. Right, there's a lot of nice straight guys out there who've been terrorized all their lives about, you know, not treating women poorly or, or where sex is concerned, and making sure it's all mutual and loving and walk-a-doodle, woo. <laughs> and what he's got to do is see that what's loving 
and giving is for him to love you in the way that turns you on and give you what you want and need. Right. And that's a leap that's going to take him more than a week to make. I know, it's funny, because I was like, okay, well, this is the way it's going to be from now on. He's like, uh, I'm you, going to need a little bit more time to get adjusted to this. Yeah, you got to let him ramp up. Right, And you've right. got, you know, everyone has, like, a little sadist somewhere inside them, particularly around sex. I mean, I would think so, right? Well, I, I, I think I know so. <laughs> After you're all the these expert, years. I guess. Yeah. And you have to find, he has to find out where it is and, and nurture it and bring it out, but also keep it compartmentalized. It's not something you want bleeding into all other aspects of your life. Right, no, there definitely has to be an off button. Right, you don't want to be a Mormon or anything at the end of this right. process. Yeah, it's like, um... Actually, when we were talking about it, he was like, what, so you want me to, like, take you to the grocery store and, like, force you to buy things you don't want to buy all the time? Like, what, does this happen all the time? I was like, no, I don't think so, but I think there are people like that. Well, there, there are. They're called Baptists. <laughs> and you don't want to be one right. of those either. No, you know, for You're not sure. talking about a marriage where you joyfully submit to your husband. Right, exactly. The given wife or whatever the fuck they call that. <laughs> well, the good wife. The good, well, I think it's a bad wife. I think it's a hostage situation. We've that's right. It would be our second on the show. But that's not what you want. That's not. You want there to be times when he just takes you sexually and seizes control and you want do you want the whole dog and pony show you want the props and costumes and special uh, I'm not really I'm not really into the props and costumes so much like I'm not really fixated on anything like that you know but you want to be it, thrown around slapped around fucked hard yeah it's more things. like um you know wanting somebody to just tell me what to do and uh-huh. me to have to do it and then there's no anxiety about whether you're doing what you're doing is right you know so that all goes away I think that's part of it I have two recommendations for how you can help ramp him up you need to get him porn that shows the kind, the style of sex that you're talking about, so he doesn't feel okay. like he's flying blind and making mistakes. You know what I mean? Not that he has to then, you know, memorize it and perform that, but that right, he but gets I mean, some. Right, but the same time, like I'm no longer sort of responsible for this, you know. So he's that means all the responsibility would be on him, you know. So he would be the one who is anxious and worried. Right. You know, he's going to reason. You know, he's reasonable for him to have performance anxiety. Right. And you need to t- reassure him that we, you can take baby steps. That he hasn't doesn't have to go from zero to sixty in an instant. He doesn't right. have to go from lying side by side, having you know, <laughs> stroking my hair, stroking your hair, and telling you how much he loves you, to you know whatever it is that is that you're asking him to do in an instant. That they're like baby steps along the way, and there's you know. Stuff you can incorporate now into the love, into the the sex you're having now, that hints at where you're going, and you know when he sees you respond to it, energetically, will encourage him to keep moving in that direction. Okay, that An- sounds reasonable. Another thing that really helps when people like are first trying S and M, is for the the submissive, particularly if it's a bossy submissive situation where the top right. is like giving you what you want, even though right. it's like <laughs> taking what they want, is for you to be blindfolded. So he doesn't have to have the anxiety of you watching him screw up. Dan, you are so helpful. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. I know. Or not. I do this podcast for free, actually. Or actually, yeah, I don't know if they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> they should. If he's blindfolded, he can, like, feel like he screwed up, make a face, roll his eyes. Right. You know, not have to worry about both the tone of his voice and the look right. of his face. Just like or, the tone or like of his the voice. sexy look, you know? Yeah, you just have to make like the sexy sadist face. Right. And also the thing that you have to do is you have to not say, you know, you know, the minute it starts you're in total control and I'm not going to give you any input because that's part of it for me. You guys have to be able to do what actors do because it's really a little play. Mm-hmm. Cops and robbers for grown-ups with your pants off. <laughs> you, be, you need to be able to like 
actors call it breaking the fourth wall. Like you're in the scene, you're doing the play, something goes wrong, you kind of like step out of character for an instant, acknowledge it, and jump back in. Right. You need to be able to do that just so that he knows he's not like on his own for three hours, however long it goes on. Right. That you can like like you can both step out of it for a second and say and you can say you know that that's actually a little too far and then jump back in without him feeling crushed by getting a little input from you. You know, and so right. you, you I need mean, to be like, supportive about that input when it comes. You can't be like, oh, my God, you're doing it totally wrong. <laughs> God, if I wanted an amateur. Exactly. <laughs> be like, okay, I'm going to go kill myself. Exactly. And that's why you need to be like, hey, that, that doesn't quite work for me. Keep going. Let's do that thing again or whatever else. Is right. I mean, because in, like, other relationships that I've been in, mm-hmm. um, this is pretty much, like, something that we wanted from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So that stuff is all discussed up front, you know, like, what are your boundaries? What are you comfortable with? It's actually more getting to know you time than most relationships. I know. That's what the, the crazy – one of the crazy things about S&M is everyone thinks it's so impersonal and dangerous. But <laughs> people who are really into S&M have these conversations about needs and sex and limits and boundaries yeah, that a amazing. lot of people would be well advised <laughs> to have in a totally vanilla sexual situation and don't. Right. I mean, I guess it's like if it really works for you, then you are, like, really behind making somebody make that happen. Another good idea – is uh, to hire a pro, and not necessarily a pro male dom, because there mm-hmm. aren't any, because of the supply and demand issues in right. the world, but a pro female dom. Wait, there aren't any because of the supply and demand issues? There's no such thing as a pro male dom. They're just because aren't. oh, because no like women go out and get them. Women won't pay. Gay guys can get that for free. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know. Yeah, what I mean? you know. Actually, any woman I who realize... wants a male dom can find a male dom in an instant. <laughs> It's like, true. guys who want a female dom, there's not that many of them. Well, everybody, that's what everybody wants me to be for them. But I'm not into that. So if I ever do find anybody who's into this whole dynamic, they want me to be the dominant one. Sometimes it's fun to switch roles. But if you, but, but some people can't. Some people just don't. But you should, one of the things that can help him feel less like he's flying solo, less like he's flying blind, is for you to find a pro-female dom and, like, buy a few hours hmm. in your house. That would be pretty crazy. (laughs) Well, no crazier than the shit you're already asking him to do. That's true. You know what I mean? And she can just act as... I mean, what the hell? What the the fuck? And I don't want to say where you live, but I think you live in a city with a lot of pro-doms. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. (laughs) And, and, you know, that person you can be really explicit with. And a lot of pro-doms sort of function as relationship counselors and therapists. A lot of pro-doms have done this sort of thing where you can open up to the pro-dom about what you're into and say, and right, really sort of like explicit. they're an arbitrator. Yeah, yeah. be really explicit, and she can like help coach your boyfriend a bit. She can be his like dom advisor in person, in a scene, and help him like through it. That's actually a really, uh, really good idea. More good advice. That's why they don't pay me the big bucks. <laughs> That's why they keep you locked in a soundproof room. That's right. With the take you out to do podcasts. <laughs> How long you okay. been with this guy? I've been with him for a really long time. <laughs> and this whole time you didn't know? No, well, like, I I recently was on this um, new kick to find out why I didn't want to have sex at all. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm only, like, in my 20s, so this is kind of weird and bad. And the reason you um, weren't interested in sex is you weren't having the sex you're interested in. Right, exactly. And, like, as soon as I... You know, I was like, okay, do you like this? Do you like this? What about this? Do you like this? So you've done this a bunch of times before him with other guys? Right. I thought I sort of grew out of it. Oh, that never happens. Yeah. See, uh, I didn't realize that. People are turned So I was essentially just lying to myself. 
But um, it's shutting I, down. You probably didn't want it to be true about yourself because it's, it's a true. lot of shame like, about being into kinky sex. Well, I actually thought of, that I would talk to some of my gay friends about it because accepting it about yourself is sort of difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not really something anybody wants to talk about. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like um, some of the identity issues that they were going through, like, I might be able to relate to. There's a lot of overlap there. I really think there is. There's also, you know, with gay, with the, the homos of the world, we're pretty open about our kinks because we've already been open about being homos. Right, so you already crossed deal. the big wall. That's right, we jumped the big fence, and then, like, the kink thing looks like small... Yeah, beans. you're just like, well, like, I like this, so deal with it. Right, I already said I want to kiss boys. Yeah, so, so my parents already don't talk to me. <laughs> or not, or not, as the case may be. Um, well, I, I wish you luck. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I think your boyfriend, really is boyfriend, husband, fiance, whatever he is, we don't want to get too specific, um, uh, I think he's a lucky dude, and you're going to find his inner dom. You just need to not, you know, a lot of the problem a lot of people have when they, like, reveal to a partner that they're already been with for a while, they're totally submissive is the top, the, 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 the like, this person who's been drafted as a top <laughs> right. doesn't know what to do, doesn't want to fly blind, and doesn't want to screw up. Right, and I mean, it, he was just like, well, like, so you've known this and you just haven't told me about it for however long? I was like, well, it's not exactly like that, but I can see how you would think that way. Oh, you should have him call me if he wants me to talk to him, too. Well, maybe I will do that. Okay. Uh, good luck with it. All right. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is Maggie. I'm 25. I'm calling to respond to the woman, the mom, who called into your show, and she was lamenting the fact that her daughters, she presumes, are having unsatisfying sex lives by her standards, and she wants them to be experiencing the pleasure that she has been so blessed to receive. And I just wanted to say thank you for telling her not to talk to her daughters about it anymore. Because as the daughter of, so I'm, I'm queer, and when I came out to my father, it spurred his journey of sexual self-discovery. Sadly, he's not gay, but He now likes to talk about sex more than he ever did, and he thanks me for this. I never want to talk about sex with him ever, and it is one of the most horrifying things I've ever experienced is to hear him talk about the kinds of sexual pleasure that he likes to engage in and then ask me if I like to do similar things. We've now gotten to the point where I think that he's stopped these kinds of conversations because I just won't participate in them and I don't want sex to be ruined for me for the rest of my life by thinking about any similarities that I have to my parents at all instead. I don't want to know it. I'm sure there are families out there that can function like this and they can talk about these things and it's totally damaging for them as adults, but You know, I think that this mother would know if her kids would be talking with her about these things if they wanted to. And if they're not, then she's out of luck. I'm sorry. Um, Maybe she can talk to my dad. I think that's a good uh, call to close the show with. Uh, Just a comment. I totally agree with you. The problem with some parents uh, you know, your dad's trying his best. He's probably just trying to initiate conversations with you to demonstrate how down he is with your sexuality and, you know, 
talk about it so that you guys uh, feel better and you know, and he communicates to you that he's totally accepting. Oh, he's so accepting that uh, he's going to share the details of his sex life with you. And it's a mistake some parents make when their kids come out. They assume that you've told them the details of your sex life and now they feel that they should respond in kind by telling you the details about theirs. But what you need to tell your dad and what parents who have kids, straight parents who have kids who come out to them need to understand is the kid hasn't really shared details. The kid has given you a baseline fact, just like your kids who are straight, who've always been straight, that you've always assumed to be straight. They didn't, they haven't shared any details about their private straight sex life with you they just are straight and when your gay kid comes out he's just telling you that he is gay or she is a lesbian and and no details it's not like a lot of information you know some parents feel like it's a lot of information because they conjure up a lot of crazy gay sex mental images when they get the news but that's their problem they don't call those mental images up when they think about their kids being straight they've they've they do the parental mind block and they don't see their straight kids having a lot of straight sex. They don't think about it that way. They don't have those mental images. The gay kid, they have them. So maybe your father partly thinks, well, you've saddled me with these mental images. I'm going to saddle you with a few. But I don't think that's what's going on. I think what's going on is he's just trying to like keep the conversation going because he assumes it's a conversation that needs to keep going. And he needs to know that it's not a conversation that needs to keep going. It's just a fact and it needs to be dealt with, understood and done. And so you need to like, just tell him, dad, I'm not interested. Dad, don't want to hear about it. Believe you me, uh, miss, I've had had these conversations with my family. Because not only am I a fag, but I'm a fag sex advice columnist who writes about straight sex and talks about straight sex most of the time. So when I go home for a family thing, I have relatives who want not just to talk to me about the details of their sex life, but get, you know, help. They want me to give them advice about their sex lives. They want to share with me their sexual problems, their sexual dysfunctions. They want to show me the sore on their penis. I don't want to see or hear about any of that. And I've had to be very clear about drawing the lines and saying, I'm sorry, Aunt Martha. I I can't examine your labia and then sit at the Thanksgiving dinner table with you. If you have a problem with your labia, you need to go see a doctor, not your potty mouth, lippy, nephew with the sex advice column all right okay that brings us to the end of another fabulous uh, savage love cast i hope you enjoyed it the phone number here 206-201-2720 give us a call leave us a question if you want us to be able to call you back like liz uh include your phone number a good time to call and we promise not to put your phone number on the air 206 201-2720 201-2720 and you download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage I'm Dan Savage, we'll be back next week with another podcast